0: Facelift, it's not a gun. It is a facelift and a gun. It's It's gonna take six months to open.
1: Six months?
0: That's being what, confident? Cocky. Crazy. Still thinking chaos menu?
1: Yeah, chaos menu, but um thoughtful. Oh, gross. We need like a reset.
0: This is reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. All right, you just heard the trailer for season two of FX's The Bear. Since the episodes dropped on Hulu last week, viewers are raving. The show received a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Twitter's abuzz with everything from the storytelling, the writing, the food, to the cameos of Chicago restaurants. Kasama, Pequod's, and Margie's Candies make appearances, and if fans want even more, the bulk of the seventh episode is shot and takes place in Markets Ever restaurant. We're joined now in the studio by Ever's co-founder, Michael Muser. Welcome back to Reset.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: So, I mean, we know Ever's a big deal around these parts, right? But <laughs> I got to hear the backstory. How did your restaurant get connected to the bear? Like, did you reach out to them? Were they like, we know you, we yeah. want you on?
1: No, excellent question. And I'm happy to tell you that it's a very kind of like Chicago happenings kind of way, right? Uh, I or, bet. And, A guy that we used to work with, his name is Chef Matt Danko, who was our chef de cuisine at a restaurant we had called Grace. Uh, He had moved on and was the executive chef of a hotel, and a couple of his employees were film students. Uh And that led him to work on season one. And then when they needed location uh, scouting for season two, uh, they reached out to Chef Matt and they said, would you be able to set us up so we could see the inside of every restaurant? And uh, he called me. I said, yes, they came to see the space. And we immediately started working on making it work.
0: They came to see the space and they were mesmerized.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, we put a lot of effort uh, into the design aspect of it. Yeah. We spent a lot of time in the design room. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, it's a really pretty space, and I think they were really happy with it, and it kind of worked from the beginning.
0: So have had you been watching the show? Uh, did you see the first season before you knew that your restaurant would be featured?
1: No. Uh, the first season kind of came and went, and we didn't get contacted until, you know, just a few months before they wanted to film season two. Mm. We had all seen season one, and I think everybody in Chicago was so proud of it. Yes. I mean, you it know. It's a any, huge hit. Yeah. And any, I think anything that, you know, puts a spotlight on the city and tells a story, and especially in this case, they're putting a spotlight on the restaurants in our city. And any good Chicagoan knows, like, we know how to eat. And uh, I'm so <laughs> proud. <sure> do. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm so proud of our Chicago industry. So I, I think this brings good light to it.
0: Yeah. So this isn't uh, yours and, and Curtis Duffy's only brush with the bear, your, your bar after is also featured in season 2 of the Bear and you've you've worked with the show's consultant Matt Danko as you mentioned in season 1. I mean, it sounds to me like they just can't get enough of you too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the space really worked for what they wanted, you know, for episode 7 specifically. Uh they, you know, they needed uh, they needed a space that kind of was what we are. This like little, you know, restaurants like ours are these funny little uh churches of perfection, right? It's a it's a it's a small community of people that get together every day and say we're going to do this the best way possible. Yeah. And so we care about, you know, every little aspect of what we do in the dining room because the guest experience means that much. I think one of the characters in the show says every day is the Super Bowl here. You know, every day is the biggest day possible. Every client sitting in our room and ever they're here for a reason. This is not normal. This is not a normal dinner for them. And so we have to to make sure they understand that we know that.
0: I love that you mentioned that. Let's listen to the clip.
1: I love this so much, dude. Did you know that when this restaurant opened 12 years ago, it won the best restaurant in the world the same year? It's retained three stars because we have a waiting list that's long. 5,000 people waiting at any given moment long. Do you see their faces when they walk in here? how stoked they are to see us, and how stoked we have to be to serve them. It takes 200 people to keep this place in orbit, and at any given moment, one of those people that is waiting in line gets to eat here. They get to spend their time and their money here. I'm sorry, bro, but we need to have some forks without streaks in them. Every day here is the freaking Super Bowl. You don't have to drink the Kool-Aid, Richie. I just need you to respect me. I need you to respect the staff. I need you to respect the diners, and I need you to respect yourself.
0: You know, I'm struck, Michael, by by the way the show depicts restaurant culture. Yeah, and, and from what you said and just listening to that clip, how accurate is that?
1: Uh, it, it it's pretty close, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, uh, you know, restaurant life. I think it, it's people are talking about it a lot now. I think because of the bear, and I think that's great. And no one's going to say that working in a restaurant is easy. And everyone's going to agree that at the bare minimum, it just eats a lot of hours of your day. Yeah, But it's also, I think, as the, as the show uh, shows pretty well, it's a beautiful place to live your life. It is a place that fills you with craft in every corner. There's nothing you can't learn. It's all there for you. And uh, I think Chef Rick Bayless just said recently, you know, it, it struck me really, it provides you a ladder, you know, in restaurants, you watch captains become sommeliers. You watch waiters become dining room managers. You watch chef de parties become sous chefs, become chef de cuisines, become owners of their own businesses. Right. And that's what makes, a you know, a dining culture and a, and a, and a, a, a restaurant like ours, you know, our restaurant community thrive.
0: Yeah. I mean, and to your point being a chef, I find, has been uh, or become glorified, I think, in in recent years with the rise of everything you just mentioned, celebrity chefs included. It's also widely known. I mean, it's a difficult job. It's a difficult uh, profession. I wonder what kinds of opportunities you see restaurants providing and how you want to see the industry evolve to to address maybe inequities.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that as I said, restaurants are great in the in, in the way in their very structure that it doesn't matter. like you get in at every level. Right. Like restaurant like our, a restaurant like ours, everybody starts on the food runner line. That's yeah. like Richie in the episode starts on forks. Right. It is. Uh, uh, it, nobody gets cut out of that process. We all go through it. I think every restaurant is like that, both high end and, you know, just a regular restaurant. You have to learn every aspect of it. Everybody starts on that equal playing field and then works up from there. And restaurants are magical because there's a million things you can do and get better at and thrive. If you like math and you like business and you want to learn that kind of stuff and costs and overtime, it's all there for you. If you want to learn beverage and and be, you know, and, and, and swim around in that world there, a restaurant will give you that, too. And if you like people and want to manage and you know, that's there for you as well. And if you like design and you like logos and colors and schematics and you like the way a room flows, restaurant restaurants will give you that too.
0: Lots of opportunities. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. I think sometimes too we can ask a lot of chefs. I mean, you know, you gotta build the thing first, you gotta be construction and design and all of this stuff. And then once it opens, you have to be your own human resource department and you have to care for your employees. There's just massive amounts of responsibility there, right? You're putting the, in hours. The for list sure. just goes on and on, and then at the very top of it, you also have to cook beautiful food and make it taste great, right? Yeah. It's a lot.
0: You're you're describing all these things that happen, you know, traditionally, you know, behind the scenes, right, to to make that dining experience enjoyable for the guests. Uh, traditionally, those things are, I think, kept close to the chest, but. Um, this episode has sort of a, a reveal, right? We see staff researching guests before they arrive. Uh, they're sending cars to people on the wait list. Uh, we see cooks peeling mushrooms, presumably you know for hours. Yeah. Uh, Talk more about what you think about that depiction in the show, like how much was fictionalized and how much or or little do you want guests to consider these elements?
1: Sure. Yeah. The the moment in the show where a car is called instantaneously to go get that's a little bit of a story. story. I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty impressive, though, (laughs) right? This is television. It is not beyond us to send a car or, you know, have a car for someone or, you know, do that kind of stuff. But a living, breathing, like, hey, five minutes ago, a reservation dropped. Do you want to come in here right now? That would be amazing. But it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It it was incredible when I watched. (laughs) What's real is that a restaurant like ours, if you do the math on it, it's going to see around 60 to 80 people in one night. That 60 to 80 people is going to break down to like 20 reservations, right? Okay. We owe it to those reservations to care so much about who they are and why they're coming in. And so we use anything that we possibly can. Facebook, Instagram, Google to find out anything that we can about that particular person. It's not fair that we know that you're a principal of a school. What prin what what school? Where? You're a teacher? Uh-huh. Oh my god, that changes things. Uh, uh, you know, your anniversary, sure, five-year anniversary, 10-year, 25-year anniversary. Mm. I mean, anyone that's married knows to make it to 25. is like, what an amazing Celebration
0: thing. time. But are you ever met by folks who are put off by that?
1: Uh, yeah. If, well, not necessarily. I mean, at the end of the day, what do we do with most of it? You can't really do really much with it, right? But what it's meant to do is to send a captain to the table with an, with an intimate sense of who this person, you know, what they're doing that night, that... That it's that special. No one comes to see us just for nothing. Everybody comes to see us for a purpose. It's our obligation to them to make sure that it's honored, their experience, in every way possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, this Food Friday, we are talking with Michael Muser, who is co-founder of Ever in Fulton Market. And if you have a Hulu account, you can see this restaurant featured in the seventh episode of the second season of the hit TV show, The Bear. So I've worked in restaurants before. I have done pretty much everything but cook, Um, hostess, Server, you name it. Uh, there's one moment from that seventh episode, though, that stuck out to me. Uh, this is where Garrett tells Richie what drew him to the restaurant industry. Let's
1: listen. I don't know, man, because a couple of years ago I had a drinking problem and I got sober. I'm good now, you know, like I feel healthy and I'm happy and I'm grateful. And through that experience, I learned about acts of service. And I just like being able to, to serve other people now, you know? Service. Yeah. You know, I used to work for this guy who used to say that taking care of people at the highest level was like working at a hospital, you know? Like, it was like medical... that's a little much. I'm just saying, I think that's why restaurants and hospitals use the same word, hospitality. What did you think of that moment? I laughed hysterically because I had a, a an instructor sommelier that used that exact, uh, uh, that would remind us constantly that, you know, uh, the word hospitality begins with hospice. You know, a place where people seek refuge.
0: And do you agree? And
1: are nourished. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, and also, too, and this sounds really cheesy, but the gift is in the giving. So when you're in the dining room in, in the episode, they find a, a way to supply a table with some pizza uh, you know because they were because they were listening in the dining room, and that 's what we beg of our staff is to just simply listen uh, an, an easy one for us is to walk through the room and hear you complimenting the pretzel bread that it 's just the most wonderful pretzel bread you 've ever had right when you 're leaving there will be a huge box of pretzel bread for you well on your way out right because we were listening mm-hmm. we owe again we owe the client that kind of level of attention uh and And the joke is, is that when you win and you get that moment, which the character sees in that episode when he delivers the pizza, it's, you know, it's cheesy. We call them wow moments. When you're successful in that and you make someone's night, it's like it makes your night and the next night and the next night. It's addictive and you want to do it more.
0: That's wonderful. What drew you to restaurants and and the hospitality industry in the first place?
1: I love the I love the daily performance aspect of it. Mm. When, When you I think one of the toughest parts on the shutdown side of covid was that it just removed daily service from our lives. And for some of us, we've just been doing restaurants way too long, maybe. <laughs> and at five o'clock service starts, you know, at four o'clock we have staff meal like that, we're just robots in that sense. And to take, you know, to service the performance, putting on the suits, that whole kind of energy, you know, they're coming, they're coming at five o'clock, the doors are going to open lights, lights. Sir. it's just, I love that. I'm addicted to it. It's the best.
0: You founded Ever in 2020 with your uh, creative partner, Chef Curtis Duffy. Yes. Tell us about that vision that you two had. I mean, do you remember the early conversations when you were sort of dreaming up this restaurant specifically?
1: Yeah, re- a restaurant like Ever is literally built specifically for Curtis. Uh, restaurants like that, they have these chefs that everyone first in the room has to agree is like this amazing voice. Mm. This, this, this person that sees food and paints these beautiful, delicious pieces. I see Curtis's tasting menus almost as like albums, back when albums were albums. And they had ballads and rock anthems and ups and downs and levels. And they also had like songs that maybe you didn't listen to that many times you're like, I don't really know where they're going with that one. But they were a part of this story that was being told. Uh. And so when you have a chef that tells these stories in, in a way that Curtis does, and everyone in the room agrees that this is a special voice, a Chicago voice, We have to then build a network of activity around it that can actually service that voice. That is very complicated because these tasting menus are impossible to track almost, right? We have 50, 60 people in the dining room. Each one of them are going to see like 15 to 20 different plates. And these are all happening at different rhythms and cadences. And that's where our expediter role, which the episode does really well, I think, is probably for me, it's like one of my favorite parts about it. It sheds a light on the role of expediter. I
0: mean, all of this also sheds a light for me on your attention to detail at Ever, right? You you talked a moment ago about listening, right? So important. And it makes sense why you've got two Michelin stars. But I noticed in the restaurant uh, portrayed in The Bear, it's got three. Yeah, does that make you really want to go get that third star now?
1: I mean, I don't need that episode to make me want a third star or to make Chef Curtis want a third star Love any it. more than he already does. Like, I think if you walk up to any one of our staff members right now and you ask them, what are you doing here? What's up? And They'll tell you, <laughs> we want our third star. So, you know, these are long uh, journeys to get accolades like that, you know, and you don't do it to get them. You do it to be the, you, you do it to be the best restaurant you possibly can be. What,
0: what's the max? How many can you get? Three, OK.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the Mount Everest. You'll get there. Oh, for sure. We will. I know we will. And when I watch that episode and they say things like, you know, world's greatest restaurant or whatever, I promise you in our hearts, we feel like that every day we go to work. So it's like, you know, to hear it out loud is inspirational and kind of fun.
0: Michael Musers, is co-founder of Ever in Fulton Market. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.